Good morning. I'm James Homan from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Monday, March 19th. In today's news, another package explodes in Austin, Texas. President Trump forced White House staffers to sign non-disclosure agreements, and three people dispute the attorney general's sworn testimony in the Russia investigation. But first, the big idea. The family of a slain 18-year-old reminds us to remember all the victims of gun violence. Ayanna McAllister wanted to become a detective who helped victims of sexual assault. Her favorite show was Law & Order, Special Victims Unit. Her sister Andasia recalls that she used to always say she wanted to be just like Olivia Benson, the protagonist. But one year ago tomorrow, the 18-year-old was shot and killed in Northeast Washington. Ayanna was home for spring break from her freshman year at St. Augustine's University in North Carolina. She and Indasia were watching a college friend film a music video at an apartment complex near a metro stop on Benning Road. It was about 8.45 p.m. on a Monday night when the shots rang out. Police don't think Ayanna was targeted. She became one of 259 homicides recorded in our region last year. Unlike on Law & Order, where the bad guy always gets caught by the end of the hour, her murder remains unsolved. On Saturday, Andasia and her parents sat in a dimly lit living room where they watched so many episodes as a family. This time, she was gone, and they were fighting back tears. Tyrese McAllister, a crisis response therapist, said one of the things she misses most is her daughter's crazy laugh. As she told me in an interview I recorded on my iPhone, There are days that I just, I struggle to get out of my bed. Like, it takes everything in me to get out of bed. But every day, God gets me up out of bed. She and her husband, Anthony, who's a juvenile probation officer, have started a foundation and want to draw awareness to gun violence in communities of color. Tyrese welcomes the student activism after the shooting at a Florida high school that killed 17 last month. She thinks the walkouts last week and the march coming up this weekend are good. But she also thinks the conversation about mass shootings has at times distracted from debating what to do about street violence that kills far more kids every year, mostly young people of color who live in the cities. About a dozen out of every 100,000 Americans are killed by guns each year, according to government data. Mass shootings account for less than 2% of the total deaths from gun violence. My kids have been to several funerals before they even got out of high school of peers. Yeah. Like this is this is a big issue for our community. And being middle class mm-hmm. doesn't change it, which I thought it did. I right. thought this was my protective well, You have a nice house, you live in yeah, good part of town. household, yeah. law right. enforcement, dad, right. mom is a therapist. Cameras inside, outside the house don't have company where we're not mm-hmm. where we're not home. You know, a house of rules and regulations. Literally, rules and regulations, private school, education, none of that protected my girl. The family lives in Prince George's, Maryland, a majority black county just outside Washington. In our community, I could go get a gun. I can go get a gun in 15 minutes and be back. And that's not my lifestyle, but I know where I can get them. And so if I know, then you have kids who know. So, I mean, it's, it's, you know... So when you talk about our faith, I just feel like this is our this is our new mission yeah. um, to make some to make some um, changes, to make some noise. March Madness was on mute as we talked in their living room. 
Ayana was active on the basketball team throughout high school, serving as the manager her senior year. I actually interviewed Ayana on the Saturday before the 2016 presidential election during a college football game in Raleigh. She said she was delighted to chat with a Washington Post reporter because she was homesick. She was one of dozens of people I spoke with that day, but I vividly remember her sunny disposition. Her parents are determined to become more politically engaged to agitate for crackdowns on illegal gun trafficking. They want to make it easier for cops to seize weapons from gangs. They want to host training sessions on how to store guns so they don't get stolen. Most of all, though, they want to make sure that their daughter, Ayana, is not forgotten. We feel we don't have any power. Yeah. So I think that's the main thing, right? Mm -hmm. I'm powerless to bring her back. Mm -hmm. But can I stop another family from going through this? Because this right here is unimaginable. Mm -hmm. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, a fourth package exploded in Austin, Texas late Sunday night, injuring two. The incident occurred hours after Austin police made a public appeal for help regarding the first three deadly package explosions in the city earlier this month. Those bombs killed three people, including a 17-year-old high school student. Sunday's package was left on the side of the road and was possibly triggered by a tripwire. The two victims on Sunday were bicycling through a neighborhood when the package detonated. Their injuries are serious, but thankfully not life-threatening. The explosions have put the Texas community on edge. Police continue to urge residents not to handle any unexpected packages. Number two, Trump had senior White House staff sign non-disclosure agreements in the early months of his administration. The agreements were designed to last beyond his presidency and expose staff to severe financial penalties for any violation. Many on the staff balked at first, but ultimately complied after then Chief of Staff Reince Priebus and White House Counsel Don McGahn pushed them to sign. One person who did sign the document says the NDAs look very similar to the ones they were forced to sign during the campaign. A draft of the document obtained by the Post's Ruth Marcus stated that violators would be punished with penalties of $10 million, which would be payable to the federal government for each unauthorized revelation of, quote, confidential information. Most lawyers would say that this is unenforceable, but it's part of a pattern. Remember, the ongoing litigation between the president's lawyer and adult entertainer Stormy Daniels. Number three, some updates on the Russia investigation. Attorney General Jeff Sessions' sworn testimony that he opposed a Russia outreach effort when it was floated by a Trump campaign aide during a 2016 meeting has now been contradicted by at least three people who were present, according to Reuters. Those three people's accounts which were apparently given to FBI agents and congressional investigators, raised new questions about Sessions' credibility. The big story of the weekend was Trump railing on Twitter against special counsel Bob Mueller and former FBI deputy director Andrew McCabe. The president went on tweet storm rampages on Saturday and Sunday. He claimed that contemporaneous notes taken by McCabe about his conversations with the president are, quote, fake memos. Trump's remarks came one day after his personal attorney called for an end to Mueller's investigation. That prompted swift condemnation from some Senate Republicans, though not all. Sessions acted on Trump's wishes and fired McCabe on Friday night at 10 p.m., just a day before he was set to qualify for retirement benefits. Meanwhile, Russian President Vladimir Putin cruised to an unsurprising victory in Russia's presidential election. He will now stay in power for a fourth six-year term. And that's The Daily 202 for Monday, March 19th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>